Yeah, give it up for Chuck, yeah. And, and be prepared in the meantime as these guys speak. At the very end, we're going to leave a little bit of time for some questions and answers, okay? Chuck, you got it, brother. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ben. All right. Good morning, guys. All right, I'm going to invite my C12 members to come up here, please. I've got uh, different bios for each of them, and I'm going to go ahead and introduce them when it's time to actually ask them the question. So, fellas, come on up. Um, Scott, if I could have you sit here. And uh, let's see here. I'm going to try to follow the order here. Uh, Brendan, I'll have you sit there. Eric, over here. And then Bill, my anchor man, right at the end, okay? Great. So before I get started, um, I do want to encourage you with, uh, with one, one thing, and that is that, so these guys are going to share some of their stories, some of their perspectives as business owners who happen to be Christ followers, and that brings along with it a lot of other complications, um, considerations. Um, one thing I want to clarify is that, um, that all of them uh, would count themselves as ambassadors for Christ. That's a very important role and distinction that they have in running their companies. And so to better understand what I'm talking about here, I want to read something out of the New Living Translation uh, for your hearing. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 13 through the end of the chapter. Paul is writing to a church that um, has got some issues, uh, kind of like us, right? We all have issues, right? So this is what he says. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. So I like to think I hang out with some crazy people, and it's for your benefit, okay? So take it from there. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. And that's a tension that we all wrestle with. What does it really mean to be this new creature in Christ? How do we live that out, right? He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. And for those of us who have that new life in Jesus can appreciate what Paul is writing. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So wait for it, here it is. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. What these gentlemen do is this act of running great companies, right? That's a given. Uh, they run growing, profitable business concerns. That's like the entry point for C12. You gotta, you gotta know how to run a company, all right? But beyond that, is there something more? And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about. What does it mean to be an ambassador for Christ that is busy reconciling people to the Savior of the world? All right? So with that said, we're going to start with a couple of introductions. 
And I'm just going to read this because these guys have uh, went to the trouble of preparing this. So uh, I'm going to start with Scott McKenzie to my left here. Uh, Scott's a dear brother in Christ and friend, and I want to just share a little bit about um, uh, what he does for a living, okay? So as the senior partner and CEO of Hampton Square Wealth Management, Scott helps over 170 households and organizations to plan, invest, and steward their money in a way that reflects their values and life goals. Formerly with Merrill Lynch Wealth Management and Northwestern Mutual Insurance, Scott holds a designation of Chartered Retirement Planning Counselor by the College for Financial Planning, and he's also a certified Kingdom Advisor. Before joining the financial services industry in 2009, Scott was president of an international manufacturing and importing company in New York City, where he enjoyed a long and successful career. Scott has taken many active leadership roles in Sussex County, New Jersey. He has served on a local board of education, his township government board, his church elder board, two nonprofit boards. He's a member of the Sussex County Chamber of Commerce and Business Networking International. I'm not really sure when this guy sleeps, but apparently he does. He is also the leader of a local Kingdom Advisors monthly study group for Christian financial advisors in Northwest New Jersey. Scott lives in Hampton Township, New Jersey with his wife, Jan, who is a delight, by the way. They have six adult children, and they enjoy spending time with, and sometimes without them, at their vacation home near Camp of the Woods in the Adirondacks. Scott is obviously an active member of the C12 group here in New Jersey. So, Scott, I'm going to start with you, and I'm going to ask you a question. And guys, as, as you're hearing these responses, maybe this will stimulate some questions in your mind. So here's one thing I want to avoid at the end, is that awkward silence when I say, so are there any questions? And it's cricket. So start thinking about your questions now, all right? So, Scott, being in the financial and wealth management sector and dealing I with am? people, yeah, you are, yes, yes, and this is NCS, by the way, okay, and dealing with people that may not share your Christian worldview, which happens to be the case, how do you live out your role as an ambassador for Christ and operationalize this value system at Hampton Square Wealth Management? Well, first, thanks for having us here today, and uh, thanks, Chuck. Um, at Hampton Square Wealth Management, I made the decision in 2009 to run a wealth management business from a biblical perspective. And uh, that was not an easy choice, especially being in what we'll call the darker part of the country in uh, the Northeast. Uh, but I, I can tell you, we serve our clients uh, from that biblical perspective, whether they are believers or not. And they know who we are. We make no bones about it. We are very overt, but it gives us the opportunity to pray for them. It gives us the opportunity to speak into their lives in how we invest. We find wealth management and planning uh, discussions are much more intimate than most things in people's lives. They don't, you don't talk about your finances with your next door neighbor or your best friend most of the time. And uh, you talk to us. And so those conversations, believers or non-believers, uh, really get very, very deep. And we have the opportunity to speak into people's lives. We steward now over 200 households in 20 states. And those relationships uh, that we can speak into, it's amazing. We have Hindu clients. We have uh, gay clients. We've got uh, people all over the, the country that when they have a hard time, when their life is going through some tough times, they're, they're calling us and saying, would you pray for us? 
the most wonderful thing, I went through a, a, a bout with cancer this summer, and to have my clients call and pray for us. Mm -hmm. Stop me in the middle of a conversation. Hey, the markets are really tough this year. You guys must be having a hard time. Can, can we pray for you? You know, and that's you know encouraging to us, but it also lets us know that we speak into people's lives every day, mm -hmm. and just to help them on their walk on how they handle their finances, how they handle their future, uh, and also what are they investing in. So we also teach people to invest from a biblical worldview and not invest into things uh, that are antithetical to what they believe. And uh, so consequently, we have great discussions. I have a non-believer dentist in central New Jersey that said he wanted to invest in this company called Altria. Great stock, right? Used to be called Philip Morris. And it was an opportunity to stop him and say, is that really what you want to own in your portfolio? Uh, so that's how we, every day, speak into people's lives, and my whole team does this. We're certified kingdom advisors, um, and that means that we take an extra ethical, higher standard to our fiduciary responsibilities. That, that aspect of, of speaking to people's lives is something I want to just uh, ask the, the other panelists for, because we, we'll have time maybe for one comment, just in the interest of time, but I'm just kind of curious. Um, for, for the other panelists, like when you hear Scott speaking about this idea of being out there with your faith, uh, understanding that others are not going to share that sort of typical worldview, um, I'm curious what sort of reactions do you get when you hear that? And uh, again, just if we can have just one person comment, that'd be great. Crickets. Hey. <laughs> Is it on? Hello? Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that in, 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 I have a, um, my, my agency's in New York City, so um, it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting place to be uh, as a believer. And um, I, I think that, you know, are we, our business is, is a ministry. Right, it, it it is it is our pulpit, and um, people are watching us, even when you don't think they're watching us, and how we're going to react and respond mm -hmm. to things. And I think that we have a, a really, and, and this is in everyday life as men and as fathers and as as husbands and as employees. Like you know, we have that opportunity to show Christ in in all that we do. Um, I always think about it this way: if if we say that you know we found the Savior. We, and, and he's radically changed our lives, then people want to see how you're reacting to that, how you're responding mm. to that, you know? And, and I think that, like, we have such a huge responsibility as believers to show the love of Christ, but also the joy of Christ. Mm. If we say we're Christians and all we're doing is struggling, mm. um, I don't want to be a Christian then. If, if, I'm, if I'm not a Christian and I'm watching, I'm like, well, that looks like, that's a tough life. I don't think I want that. But when we get to show the joy of, of the Lord and, 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 and speak in people's lives without saying a word, but just showing the love and joy and the happiness that we get to have, that speaks volumes. And I, and I think that that is the thing that really kind of transcends and changes people more than anything you could ever ask, say, or, or think. 
Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that, Eric. I appreciate it. We're going to continue here to Brendan, who is to the left of Scott. Brendan De Silva is the founder and CEO of the De Silva team, a residential real estate team that sold over $90 million in volume and over 200 homes in 2021. Brendan graduated with a degree in pastoral ministry from Nyack College in 2016, but no more than a month after graduation, ended up serving six months in jail. When he was released, he could not find suitable work, so upon the encouragement of family and friends, he began pursuing a career in real estate in April of 2017. Over the past several years, Brennan and the De Silva team have earned numerous accolades within their industry. They've been featured on Fox News for their generosity during the COVID-19 pandemic and shown a commitment to building a faith-driven and impact-oriented business. This year, Brendan and the De Silva team will move their offices to Newark, New Jersey, where they'll be focusing heavily on educating Newark residents about the home buying process. Brendan and Deborah married in 2019, and they currently reside in Jersey City. They are expecting their first child in December of this year, and they're active with their local church. And Brendan is obviously an active member of C12 New Jersey. So, Brendan, my question to you is that uh, like Scott, you know, you get involved in some pretty intimate financial affairs with people, okay? Um, being involved usually in the largest transaction of most people's lives, that is buying and selling a home, how do you create an environment at the De Silva team as a disciple of Christ that isn't just about closing the deal? Thank you, Chuck, and uh, thank you, everybody, for coming out today. Um, that's a great question. When it comes to how we create like the environment, it really starts, and it's kind of cheesy, but it's like I, I have a saying, like everything ultimately falls on the leader, right? As like men of the house and like men of faith, we have to adopt this like like total responsibility. It's our responsibility how we come to work. It's our responsibility how we react. It's our responsibility what we commit to, right? So if you are overwhelmed, you gotta start saying no. So the way that I set up the De Silva team in what I view as really like led by the faith is I lead myself first. So the best thing I can do for my employees and their faith is to develop my own. So whether that's waking up a little bit earlier or you know not listening to a podcast so I can like pray in the car, really the most pragmatic like base fundamental key is developing your own relationship with Christ. So that you can come from a place of abundance rather than, you know, you're like over here, you know, you're like hungover going into work saying, oh, God, I got to help these people. No, it's not going to work, right? So even this morning, you guys making, you know, you guys could be anywhere, but you guys coming here, you know, maybe you didn't feel like it. Maybe you got 17 other things due and 30 emails are already unread. These kind of habits coming once a month, going to your local church, being a part of the community, these are all paramount if we're going to lead really faith-driven businesses. So it starts with you and your relationship with the Lord. Then you must, in that relationship, submit to the Lord and say, is my business purely about the margin? Uh, Chuck has a great way of saying, he's like, without margin, there is no mission, right? There's, you can't, it doesn't matter how beautiful you want your business to be and the impact. If the business make money, you're broke, no business. So you got to have the margin to live out the mission, but don't ever confuse the margin for the mission. So I think really, once again, it all comes down to the leader of the organization, how we set up the DeSilva team. Like, I, I say again and again, because it's so important. On our team, 
we believe in more than just, in real estate, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you always puff your chest up, right? I, I always say, like, if someone tells you they sold, like, 100 houses, they sold 50. So <laughs> whatever someone says, you cut in half. But in, because real estate's all about status and recognition and this award and that award and blah, 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 whatever. But our team, we tell people all the time, okay, let's say you sold 200 houses by yourself, 100 houses by yourself. Then what? And for me, after I come from a place of being filled, after I've said no to responsibilities and commitments so that I can better focus on myself, my family, and my like soul, I then am able and empowered and overfilled to have conversations with uh, staff and you, you know really ask them, okay, well, what do you really want from like life? And then I believe when you're Showing them an example, like you were saying, Eric, right? Showing them an example of what does the joy of the Lord look like? What does a man of faith look like? What does a leader in the faith look like? Is this guy just an audible, like audio, or is he actually going to show us through video of his life? Then from that place, you have a trust that you can build where you say, hey, so what would happen if you do hit your goals? Hmm, why is that important? Oh, if I had my goals, I would have, ba, 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 ba. I could do this, I could have, 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 have. Okay, now you have everything, then what? And you get to these deeper questions that at the very least, you're, you unlock their mind to stop just running the rat race and think, huh, why am I here? And that's a gospel-orientated question, right? That leads to gospel conversations. So then once you have that trust that you've built with your employees from being in a place of health, from making good business decisions, not perfect, but good, then you're able to ask those questions that lead to gospel conversations that ultimately lead to gospel conversion that lead to people literally transforming their lives by the grace of Christ. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I would say, once again, just to recap, you feed yourself first so you can feed others. And when you feed others, you do that through questions. And then you shut up and you listen. And I would say that's how you should like, lead your like, employees in the faith. Thank you very much. It's a, just a great reminder, Brendan. You know, what does it profit a man if he gains the world and loses his soul, right? Um, but taking care of the leader's priorities sets the tone for the rest of the organization that you're going to lead. End of story, right? Okay. Any, any uh, sort of closing comment on, uh, on Brendan there? Yes, Bill. Just last week we had a meeting, and Rob Schwinch talked about replenishing yourselves yes. so that you could be a blessing to others. So uh, it's all how it blends together. Yes. And... Um, you know, it's, it's, it, our lives are not compartmentalized, which I'll talk a little bit about later, but people look for reasons not to deal with you. They look for reasons to cancel you. They look, uh, and, and the minute you proclaim that you're a Christian, you got a target on your back. So, uh, you know, we're called to a little bit of a higher standard. And you have to live that through your business. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Um, plenty of stuff here. Good wisdom. Uh, Eric Rojas is our next uh, panelist. Let me share a little bit about him. Eric is the founder and chief creative officer at Six Plus One, a creative branding and category redefinition firm based in New York City. Eric graduated from FIT with a degree in communication arts. He started working at Deutsch Advertising, working his way up from art director to eventually becoming its creative director. He then moved to Amarty and grew their creative team from uh, eight to 60 people. He then transitioned to Havas before starting his own creative agency in July of 2014. 
He and his team have worked on brands that became household names, including consumer packaged goods such as vitamin water, Pirates Booty, Body Armor sports drinks, as well as working in the financial sectors with giants such as New York Life and Charles Schwab. Through 6 Plus 1, Eric is always challenging the advertising industry conventions, and his deep faith in Christ informs how he stewards the business and his creative team. Eric and his bride have been married nine years, have three children, ranging in age from 5 to 21, and one of them are sitting over there somewhere. Good, good to have you, Noah, by the way. Sorry to embarrass you. It's what I do for a living, okay? He, he is also active with his ministry outside of his business, and he enjoys hosting a men's business breakfast gathering in Montclair and a family ministry called God's Garage. He and his wife have a heart for children and actively minister to over 20 kids from their home every week. I don't know how he does it. In 2018, Eric also started a 501c3 nonprofit uh, entity called For the Greater Hood that ministers to homeless people in our inner cities with their next event, by the way, scheduled for December 10th right here in the city of Patterson. If you're interested, you can talk to Eric about that, okay? Um, sponsors for the Greater Hood include Nike, Under Armour, Izod, Fry Boots, Steve Madden Shoes, Echo, uh, there's a, it goes on. So far, the Greater Hood has served over 15,000 men, women, and children, donating 35,000 uh, pieces of clothing, over 2,000 backpacks for our kids, over 300 haircuts, and over 2,000 pairs of brand new kicks. And Eric is just getting started. Eric is also an active member of C12 New Jersey. So Eric, you are situated in the heart of New York City, where leading global marketing agencies like 6 Plus One advise some of the best known household brands that we all use. Your firm directly influences changes in consumer behavior and their buying patterns. So here's an important question. How do you and the team at 6 Plus One navigate compromising situations with global CPG brands that may want things of you that run counter to your deeply held Christian beliefs? Good morning, everybody. Um, yeah, so... It, it, uh, in advertising, it's, it's a very interesting um, market um, and world. It's a very small world, um, and it's very cutthroat. Um, I started the company because I never wanted to, I always said, not like this. Don't, don't, don't change who you are to, to get what you want. And, um, and it, ended up, it ended with me starting my own agency. I wasn't never my plan to do that, but I realized that in order for me to continue to, to live out what God has called me to do, I needed to set the standard in what the business needed to be versus be under someone else that I don't share the same beliefs. Um, you know, it's not, it's not where you come from. It's not where you're going. It's really, it's, it's the journey and what you do that matters the most. And, and the, re the idea of that is like, you, you don't ever want to cut corners in order to get what you think God is giving you, um, and it's it's been a really big lesson for me. You know, when you have an when you have a company or agency, all of a sudden you have a, you have a lot more responsibility. Responsibility no longer is payday has a whole different meaning, right? Um, and when you're paying paying salaries in New York City, it has a really big <laughs> it's a big payday. Um, and in that, you have a lot of responsibility. All of a sudden, now that gets into question sometimes when you're asked to do things you don't believe in. Um, so I'm going to give you an example of, of a story that happened um, because 
uh, we, we really stand by our convictions at six plus one. Um, I am, um, there's only two people of faith in my whole agency. I'm obviously one of them. Um, and in that, you know, we, we, they understand and they know what, what, what I stand for and what we believe in. And in that, we set up, you know, in, in order to make sure you do the right thing, you have to set up the behaviors. Even if, you don't, even if you're not working with believers, the reality is, like, you have to still set the standard. So, you know, culture is everything for me. Culture is everything. It's, it's, it's our values, right? And those values are sometimes they're, they're, you see them on the walls around offices. That's nice. But what are the behaviors that shape those values? Do you actually have behaviors that shape those values? And I have an opportunity to have God-fearing biblical values that I impart on the agency and, and define via, through behaviors that I then get to tell the employees, this is our values and this is how you behave in these values. And in that, it kind of creates this culture that we're actually having a, a, a God-fearing culture that they don't even realize that, that it is. Um, and in that, we're able to um, stand by our convictions. Even if you're not a believer, you say, but that doesn't feel right because that's not what we stand for. This is not the values that we set here. So all of a sudden, we start to really start to fine-tune and guardrail what we're doing. An example um, is there is a big sneaker company, I won't mention names, that uh, you know, we're, we were pitching. Um, and um, they, we, we were, they didn't tell us exactly what it was. They said, hey, we're in a pitch. I was in a pitch with three other agencies. Um, but it was, it was a big um, uh, celebrity that was going to be partnering with this shoe to design a certain sneaker. And um, we were in the pitch. We made three rounds. We ended up winning the pitch. Um, everyone on my team is super excited about it. I get, a, I get on a call uh, with, the, with the team, and they tell me who the artist, who the celebrity is. It was an artist that, um, um, I don't, you know, well, it's Cardi B. She's a rapper. And they wanted to celebrate her voice. And <laughs> I said, OK. Um, can, we, can I call you back tomorrow? Let me, let's, let me, uh, and I, they're like, okay. I went home, I prayed on it. I think it was pretty obvious, but I prayed on it anyway. Um, because sometimes when you put in these situations, your, your faith is tested. You know, you're like, well, am I going to do this? Well, then you start going, well, I have all these bills to pay, and I have all these employees that are expecting a paycheck every month, and, you know, we're, gonna, we're, we're in a tight spot with, with COVID, and what do we do? And I just felt like God said, no, no, not like this. Not like this. I've called you for something greater. And I had I had the, I had the amazing opportunity the next day to, to call the client and say, thank you for your time. Thank you for the opportunity. But as a God-fearing man, I'm not going to celebrate uh, a voice that is actually cutting the youth and, 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 and actually sexualize, over-sexualizing uh, um, the culture. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't do this. And they looked at me like, are you, are you kidding me? And I said, it was, a, it was a lot of money. I said, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm sorry, but like I have to stand by my convictions. And there was like silence on the phone for a bit. And then finally they get back and they go, I think I want to work with you more now. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it, it's just standing by your convictions. It reminds me of, of David, right? You think about David, he was called to be king, right? And then when he's called to be king, then, and he's minding his own business, right? His father didn't even recognize him. 
Um, he gets called to be king, and then he kills Goliath. He must be like, this is it. This is my opportunity. But it actually wasn't. Now he's running from the place God called him to be king of. Imagine that feeling, right? Now he's in this cave, and, he, and, and he's hiding from King Saul. Now, now he has these men that are around him in the cave, right? But David was so in tune with God's heart, more than he was in tune with people's emotions, that when King Saul came into the cave, all of his guys were like, that's your moment. God has actually brought him to you. This is your opportunity to be king. David said, no, not like this. Not like this. Why? Because he was in tune with what God called him to do. He wasn't worried about the people around him. And, and, he, and because of that, and, and I think what, you know, what Brennan says, like, just stay close to God's heart. Because when you do, you're able to actually make those decisions very easily. And, and, and you know, God's going to reward that. What it says in Luke, it says, to, to much is given, much is expected. Right? We're expected to, to be of excellence, so God would then give us more. But he doesn't give us more for us. He gives us more so we could then show the world more of his glory. Thank you, Eric. That's fantastic. Thank you very much. We're going to continue on to Bill in the interest of time. What can I say about Bill Vavignoli? He's the CEO and president of Specialized Storage, a dear friend of mine I've known personally for over 10 years. Um, he is a, a man that loves Jesus. And uh, his personal ministry, he runs a great company, but the thing that gets me is that if you pull up to a Valero, a Sunoco, an Exxon, chances are you might find Bill reaching for his back pocket, pulling out a New Testament Gospel of John and handing it to somebody and inviting them into a conversation with a simple question, hey, do you know Jesus? <laughs> okay. Bill has just been a fantastic example to me of what the love of Christ looks like in action. And there's a lot more I could say, but he runs a fantastic firm that engages in the material handling and storage solutions industry. Uh, he deals with large accounts like PSE&G, um, uh, many, many pharmaceutical companies. He's running all over the place uh, looking for business and satisfying customers with really innovative solutions. But the thing that always impresses me about Bill is that ministry is always on his mind. It's a, it's a line item that's always being looked at, okay? With that said, my question to Bill is this. Specialized Storage Solutions is the go-to firm for material handling, warehousing, and logistics optimization solutions. As you continue to grow, can you speak to how you operationalize ministry in and through the business and how you avoid the legal issues that so many Christians in the marketplace are apprehensive about. I don't trust my memory anymore, so I, had a, I have a lot of notes. Uh, avoiding legal issues. The first thing as a business owner we need to know is uh, what our rights are in the marketplace. And there's a great firm called the Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, fund, I guess it's a fund or, you know, it's, it's a firm and what they do, they help guys like us navigate what you can say to employees, what you can say to customers, uh, what you can legally put in your employee manual. Uh, and uh, if, uh, there's a guide that's out there. If anybody wants one, I can uh, email you the PDF of the guide, but it, it gives us a great roadmap of what we can do to build our foundation as Christians, as a Christian businessman. And
And, uh, but anyway, uh, what we do first, we try to build the foundation with our employees. When we interview them, we tell them that uh, we are a Christian business, but working with us is not a, prere a prerequisite for employment. But uh, that, that resonates with all of them. We don't have, you know, we have uh, two or three people in our organization that are saved, but we're an example to the rest of them. So uh, the next thing we do is we uh, really hit home with our core values. We tell people that our core values are honesty, dedication, and dependability. And I have to, have to say that I'm pretty excited. I was pretty excited the other day when we ran into a job that had a lot of problems and we had to back charge the customer. So we back charged, the, we, you know, I said, you know, I, you know, they told me how much it was, uh, you know, how much the back charge was. But of course, me thinking about profit only, uh, said, no, I think we should charge more. And then one of the employees said, well, is that really honest? <laughs> so, uh -oh. so, so I sat back and I said, you know, that's pretty cool. Okay, <laughs> you know, we'll give it to them at cost. So. But so yeah, things like that, it's, it's, uh, it's good to, good to uh, uh, have an organization where people are around you that are like-minded. So anyway, this business was dedicated to God 33 years ago. So uh, through all the bumps, bruises, and COVID and, and everything like that, uh, I just have to con continually remind myself that uh, God owns it anyway, so uh, yeah, I settled the ownership issue a long time ago. So what we have, it's not only about making money, it's about serving others. So uh, I have a very difficult time because I'm the rainmaker, the so-called rainmaker, and I tend to make, make the business transactional. But I have people that follow me up to make it relational. And that's what it's really all about because I'm out there trying to go get the next sale. So I have people that are behind me that make it relational. And we've had opportunities to pray with customers. Uh, we've had opportunities to give our testimony. And, um, you know, we're, we're sometimes surprised at the reaction. We send out thank you notes with the salvation message. And every once in a while, we get emails from customers saying, gee, I didn't know that there were any Christian businesses in the market, but thank you for what you do. Uh, again, like Chuck said, I like to go to the gas stations uh, and, and hand out the pocket testament leagues. Most of the guys there don't speak English, so I don't even know whether they understand me or not. <laughs> so I just... Uh, I just give them, uh, give them the pocket testament league, talk to them, and just say to them, you know, everybody knows about Jesus, but do you know him in your heart? Because you don't want to miss heaven by 18 inches, which is the distance from here to here. So anyway, we have one minute. Wow, I better talk fast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, we can't compartmentalize our, our faith, okay? God's not going to say to me, wow, Bill, you were a great salesman. 
He's not going to say, well done, Mr. Businessman. Uh, he's going to say, what have you done to get for, to, for me to let you into heaven? Anyway, I remember relating this to NCS. There was a guy that came back, came to speak when we were at the Indian Trail Club. I don't know how many years ago it was, but he came and he talked about Psalm 37. And he talked about trust, delight, commit, be still, and refrain. So basically, you know that that's the beginning of Psalm 37. And we need to remain committed. And uh, part of that Psalm is that commit your way into the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn and the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. So we want to remain confident, committed, and courageous because every day we put the armor of God on. And that's, uh, you know, that's what we do. We keep, keep telling people about Jesus. And, you know, again, it's not our job to uh, determine what gets done. But God, you know, we plant the seed and God waters it. So. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Guys, I know that uh, we want to be sensitive to your time. You've heard four individuals here that are tasked with the responsibility of building great businesses for a greater purpose. Um, you're seeing what it looks like to live as an ambassador for Christ. I know we're out of time for Q&A, but I'm going to invite you, if you do have questions, to go ahead and talk to these guys. They'll hang out for a little bit. I'm going to turn this over to Andy. Thank you. Let's give it a hand.